This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast. We are here tonight with Victoria Livschitz, and we're really excited to have her on. She is an entrepreneur of many, but most recently she has co-founded Right on Trek, which is a platform where you can plan all the logistics of your hike. And I'm really excited to be sharing this on our podcast today. So thank you for coming on our podcast, Victoria. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what were you doing before you even got into hiking? Let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say that hiking and more importantly, you know, backpacking kind of you know, going to the mountains and getting lost in them for, you know, days or, you know, someday weeks at a time. Uh, you know, that that's my fairly, fairly recent discovery and fairly le- recent obsession. It, it's turning into one anyways. Um, it's less than three years old. Uh, and until that time, I was not a hiker. I was not a backpacker. I was uh, not a mountain person. Um, And I wasn't athletic in any sense of that word. I probably have not walked 10 miles in the previous 10 years. Um, I had a a busy career in in tech. I live in Silicon Valley. I uh, started my career as mathematician and engineer and and then turned entrepreneur. I've started uh, many companies. I, I, I counted that I think Ride on Track is my number eight. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was looking at your LinkedIn and it's like, whoa. (laughs) Some have gone far. Some have not gone very far at all. Some have been more successful than others. One of the companies that I started before is, uh, you know, very close to going public. Uh, And, uh, you know, others, uh, you know, haven't been nearly, you know, as big or successful. Um, But that's kind of par for the course. I've tried a lot of different things over the years, uh, and uh, up until about three years ago, yeah, none of it involved outdoors, none of it involved hiking, none of it involved backpacking, none of it involved anything athletic whatsoever. Uh, most of it was related to you know software technologies of different kinds for you know large corporations. And so after doing that for you know a good twenty years and raising a family, three kids going through um, heartbreaking divorce after 22 years of marriage, 
time by hiking and mountains and backpacking. It happened completely by accident. And it did change my life in a very literal, literal sense. Not only did I find a new hobby and a new passion and open up uh, what now turns out to be a whole new industry and new outlet for, for, for my interests, but it also... Um, it also brought things that were, you know, very missing at that at that, you know, stage in my life. It brought me some me time. It brought me. It helped build up confidence in in areas that have never been my strengths before. Uh, it gave a lot of perspective. Uh, it gave a lot of time to to heal and then time to time to move on. So in many ways, it turned out to be a, a very, you know, definitive and transformative experience. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that's what we're all about, like at Hiking Through Life with our podcast. It's all about just finding meaningful memories and creating meaningful relationships in the outdoors. So when your coworker reached out to me and said she's like this entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur, and just had really lost herself, I was like, wow, this this is just right up our alley. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, life happens in uh, in strange ways. When I I grew up in uh, in Lithuania, which is a very pretty uh, country in northern Europe by the Baltic Sea, and I spent a lot of time in my youth in the forests, foraging for I don't know mushrooms and berries, or fishing, hanging out with my mom, hanging out with my dad. You know, that nature was very important and. Even as early as I can remember when I was, you know, really, really tiny, I had, you know, kids have dreams, you know, somebody wants to be an astronaut and somebody wants to be, I don't know, a bus driver or policeman. I thought that I will be a biologist and I will be living in the wilderness and studying wolves. I remember that was like image I had when I was four or five years old. And then, and, and then all of that was left in the childhood and, you know, grown up life turned out to be about, you know, very different things about mathematics and soft software and tech, you know, family, uh, kids, and, uh, and, and it just had a very different pattern. And we were, we're a very urban family. We spent our times going to, you know, plushy resorts in Mexico or Hawaii when, when the kids were little. Um, I've tried to take my family on uh, backpacking, not backpacking, at least camping vacation a couple of times, and it just did not work out. It just wasn't something that my husband at the time was into, and kids were like, ew, bugs, run. Uh, <laughs> and so it, it just wasn't a part of it. And in some interesting and strange ways, like life is long and twisty and turny, and, and uh, you know, I, I had to get to my late 40s and get divorced and go through, you know, a lot of unexpected, you know, somewhat traumatic things to kind of, you know, discover the outdoors and discover the mountains. And and having done all that, it almost makes me think it, it was kind of predestined. <laughs> because well, yeah. So I mean, by, by hearing you say um, <laughs> that you grew up in Lithuania, like foraging things and being outside with your parents, it's just kind of as if you've gone full circle i know right it's uh yeah it's it's interesting yeah life was long and mysterious and full of gifts of all kinds hiking and backpacking there was was definitely a, a, a gift that have been uh uh handed to me um uh, and i'm uh, enjoying it very much 
Yeah. So let's talk about that. So, I mean, did you, um, did like a friend show you backpacking or how did you get into that? I mean, you were so, you, you were like the CEO of all of these companies and probably just working so, so much. So at what point were you like, I need to try this hiking thing? Yeah. Yeah. So, so it wasn't like that at all. Actually, I was looking for something to get fit. And I've made some efforts to sign up for gym. Uh, and uh, I did, you know, I tried once or twice and it didn't really go anywhere. And then uh, completely unexpected, I wasn't, you know, going out to discover hiking. I, I heard through common friends that three of my uh, much younger friends and colleagues, they were ecstatic and, uh, you know, bubbly about winning a permit to go and hike John Muir Trail. Now, none of this made any sense to me. I never heard of John Muir. I never heard of John Muir Trail. I didn't know what it means to go hike John Muir Trail is, but one of the, you know, there were three of them, and one of them was my pretty close friend, and he got so excited about that that I got curious enough to ask, well, what does it mean? They said, well, we are taking two weeks off in August, uh, and we are going to go hike this 211-mile high Sierra trail, uh, backpacking all the way. And I'm like, wow, you're going to do what? Uh, this is insane. And, uh, and then I thought, wow, what, what a concept. You could like leave everything behind for a couple of weeks. You can switch off. You can turn off, uh, your life. You can leave behind car. You could like disappear off the face of your, you know, normal social, you know, earth, so to speak, and, and go lose yourselves in some high mountains and then try to walk, I don't know, whatever, 200 miles. Uh, this all seemed like an amazing far-fetched, like an, an impossible concept. And it got me curious. And generally things that are impossible gets me curious. So that one just struck something out there that I didn't know exist. And, um, and I started learning more about this. And uh, it turns out that my friends want a permit for four people, but there are only three of them, and they were looking for the fourth companion. And I was like, wow, could I do that? Could, 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 could they take me along? And I approached them, you know, so gently and asked, you know, very gently, you know, they responded back, Victoria, do you know what you're getting into? And I'm like, <laughs> not a clue. <laughs> And they said, well, let me help you. And they sent me a bunch of information about the trail and the hiking and the process. And the more I read about it, the more I understood how absolutely impossible that was. Because this was like your first ever time stepping on the trail. Ever I heard anything about mountains or backpacking or this or that. And, but, yeah. but it was like five months away, right? It was, it was April and we were, you know, they were going to go at the end of August. And it, it just, I don't know why, but it just, uh, it just fascinated me. And I said, well, what if I could, right? Uh, what if I could? It sounded fairly impossible, but I mean, why not? I'm kind of sucker for the impossible. So I asked the friends, if I were fit enough, would they take me? And they said, well, you know, if you wanted that badly, you could be like tentative. We will keep working on somebody else, uh, you know, in the meantime, but why don't you take two months? And like in the end of May, we're going to have a training hike together. And we'll see if you think that, and, and we see the evidence that you can, you know, put on the 40-pound weight and, you know, climb 3,000 feet, uh, you know, somewhere with us and keep up, then yeah, sure, you, you've got the spot. Did they have a certain number of miles per day in mind? Yes. Yeah, so, so, so when I started researching it, it became very clear what one needed to do. 
um, they were going to do it in 16 days. And most of the people are doing it 21 days. So they were going to do it, you know, two, you know, two thirds faster than like 30 like percent faster than most. That translated to roughly about 16 miles a day, making about three to four thousand feet climb every day and descent at the same time. Um, they were going to resupply only once. So you needed to carry food for eight days with you, basically twice, you know, eight days and then and then eight days. So it amounted to a backpack of about 40 pounds. Uh, you know, at that time, we, we didn't know any better, never heard of ultralight backpacking. Um, you know, my friends showed me basic ropes and took me on a couple of training hikes. Uh, and so that was the parameter. You had to, for, you know, two weeks, been able to do about 15, 16 mile, you know, days with full, full ammunition. So I started to work towards that. And I started to climb every hill that I could see, in, you know, in front of me. Every Saturday, every Sunday, evenings after work, if I went on a business trip and I had to go to China and I had to go to Hong Kong and I had to go to other places, I would bring my entire gear set with me and I would try to climb, you know, whatever mountains or hills I, I, could, I could find, you know, wherever I was going. And at first it was pretty tough. And I was badly out of shape. I weighed 200 pounds. I was just, it was just not, not in shape to do any of these things. But I remember how how remarkable it felt to, and how how short was really a learning curve. You know, it got me to understand that genetically, you know, humans are built to do this stuff. It might sound like our natural habitat is the city, and the escape from that habitat is the the wilderness. But in reality, biologically, biomechanically, it's the opposite. We are built to live in the wilderness. <laughs> exactly. And now humans what? are just staring at screens all the time and sitting all the time. We're not built to sit in an office chair. <laughs> no, we are not. And, and so many things are stressing us out because there is a fundamental conflict between what we've been built as uh, physiologically and a lifestyle that we have evolved to adopt as, you know, more than humans. And when uh, I think that when you put a backpack and you climb, uh, climb on a trail, you're going back and doing what you were supposed to do. And I think that is why it's such a transformative and such a profound, such a meaningful experience. Oh my gosh, absolutely. It's just like, it's just so ingrained in you. Once you start doing it, you just, that's what you want to keep doing. So just hearing this from you is so cool. So you got on that trail. So I got to train and my friends uh, have given me a hand and they explained to me about the gear and they took me on a few training hikes. Um, I went by myself on one or two quick overnights, you know, preparing, doing gear shutdown and things like that. And then we got on that trail. And uh, I think that, you know, those 16 days have truly, truly changed a lot in me. And, you know, the true love of the mountains was, was born there. And when I came back, one of the things I noticed is that, you know, the sentiments when we descended back to our cars uh, at Whitney Portal, um, and we went for that celebratory dinner. You know, three of my friends were commenting how ready they are to get back to civilization. And I was sitting there and thinking that uh, I didn't have nearly enough. There was absolutely nothing I was looking forward to to come home. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that the, you know, the trail experience was over. So I knew this hooked me in some, some you know, profound ways. And since that time, I've, uh, I've made uh, a lot of adjustments to the work life. 
Um, I still work. I still have, uh, you know, full-time job in one of the companies that I've started. And then I'm, uh, uh, you know, trying to get right on track off, off the ground. Um, but I find time to spend time in the mountains on the trail. Last year, I've done about 900, 900 trail miles, which is, uh, you know, quite a bit of miles to put in without doing like a, a big through hike and taking a lot of time off. Yeah, exactly. It's just like you you need to force yourself to go do this kind of stuff on the weekends when you do have like a few hours of time or something. It but, is. I wouldn't call it force. I kind of have to yeah. myself not to <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Some sense of a balance and not get completely lo- you know, lost in the woods, uh, you know, literally and, and metaphorically. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm an important, important part of what my, my, my life is, which is, it's not all about mountains. It's not all about, about wilderness. It's, it's about a lot of things that I still care deeply about companies, friends, family, you know, ideas, inspirations, those, those still hugely important things that that hasn't gone away, but it now gets balanced off with other ideas and inspirations and some, some time on the trail some of it is uh, is social time. I go with other people quite a bit. Uh, I go with my friends. I go with some hiking groups. I um, I go with guided expeditions sometimes, especially in very remote part, parts of the world. Um, but I also spend fair amount solo. I, I love hiking solo. I, I, I spend some time in the wilderness all, all by myself. These are somewhat different experiences, but, but both are very, very profound. And when you say solo, do you ever, like, do you go on overnight backpacking trips? I go by myself all the time, yeah. And so this right on track thing, I mean, it's just bringing so many of your your strengths all in one area. And there's so many trails that you have on there. So let me tell you about this. Let me tell you what it is and, and uh, kind of the core idea behind it and some things that we are, that we are working on. The company is still very young. It's... Uh, it's less than two years old, and it's still largely in stealth, if you will. Uh, we've been live for over a year, and there's some service offerings there, but we are really gearing up for our big launch in about two months' time frame. Somewhere around April, we are, we are rolling our, you know, kind of a big, big new service offering. Basic fundamental idea is that uh, me, as well as my friends, and this is what part what, what makes it so so special, we backpack together a lot, and we all learn it fairly recently in our adulthood. Uh, now, my, my friends are substantially younger than me, so they're in their 30s, uh, and I'm in my you know, late 40s. And are these the ones that brought you on the John Muir Trail? They are the same ones who brought me on the John Muir Trail, exactly. One of them was my friend for a long time, and two others I, I really met. They, 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 they worked in, 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 in my company. Uh, so I knew them socially, but we really became friends, uh, and that bond was was forged at you know at and January Trail, uh, and definitely continued stronger stronger after. We all share this experience of learning about the outdoors and being completely smitten and in love with it, and then going through a steep learning curve of educating ourselves, uh, uh, you know, how to competently do it uh, and do it well. And initially, my friends taught me what they knew. 
And then I went into overdrive and I started to spend a lot of time learning about everything and developing skills. And, and now I'm returning a favor and often, you know, pushing and pulling my friends and, and transferring, transferring knowledge. But the important point is, is that we all share this magic that is given us by enriching our lives. And also uh, learning about this and conquering a fairly formidable barrier that really is there for somebody to start enjoying this the way we do. And that barrier is kind of multifaceted. Some of it, honestly, I would not have gotten into the mountains at all if I did not have friends to literally show me the ropes. So I got lucky in that way. But what about people who don't have friends who could do that for them, right? Um, part of the knowledge is where to go, things like trails, Part of the knowledge is what to bring with you, things like uh, things like gear, right? Uh, and gear selection and gear usage and gear, you know, adapting gear to different, different you know, trail conditions and environments. The third big piece is skills. Uh, skills for finding trails, finding water, you know, cooking, finding cells, uh, safe campsites, surviving rains, you know, not getting hypothermic when it's, when it's cold, uh, crossing rivers safely, and, and lots of other stuff, which you, you know, you learn with experience. Um, then there is things like food, right? What, what do you actually bring with you? How do you cook? What do you eat? Uh, so there is a formidable body of knowledge uh, that one needs to amass to be able to have a safe and, uh, and, and, and joyful you know, outdoors experience. And we started asking questions, why don't more people do that? Why don't more people in Silicon Valley and elsewhere who are just as kind of stressed and frustrated and looking for the outlet, why not more of them doing backpacking? Because it would give them so much. And we kind of identified this set of, set of barriers. And we said, well, why don't we figure out how to remove them? You know, why don't we try to take our experience as well as our skills, as well as our professional capabilities, as well as, uh, you know, financial resources that we have and try to put the company together with the mission to open up the great outdoors to millions of people. So, like, was it kind of because you were saying, like, why don't people in Silicon Valley do this? So were you aiming it towards people in Silicon Valley when you were first thinking up this idea? Well, it's just the idea. I look at me and I look at my friends and I look at everybody else that I know. And uh, I think literally everybody will get richer, healthier, happier if they considered backpacking as, let's say, part of active tourism. Mm -hmm. A lot of people go to national parks and that number is on the rise. But it's one thing to drive to Grand Canyon, stay on the rim, stare in this incredible vast space and say, wow, what am I seeing? But then imagine it to the next level to say, well, you know what? I can take the weekend and I can actually climb down to the Great Canyon set up the tent, sleep under the stars, you know, then hike back the next day. And when I stay on that rim, 48 hours later, having explored this in, you know, by myself, that is a completely different level of, of magic and, and, and marvel. 
When you're going to Yellowstone and you see these incredible sights and the gazers and the bisons and the rest of it, uh, which millions and millions of people do, you know, had a three-day backpacking trip so you can go back country and explore all of that and take it to the next level. Take everybody who goes, not everybody, but a lot of people who go to Yosemite and admire the site uh, and maybe hike up to the Vernal Falls. How much richer would that experience be if they were to strike the backpack and, and make, you know, 50 miles of the John Muir Trail, you know, in the next four or five days? Yeah, I look at a lot of people who are going to these active touristy things. They travel all over the world. They experience interesting things. They travel from Antarctica to, you know, to Australia. But what if you could do all of these things with a backpack? Um, I think that there is a tremendous market. And I think that it's the right timely idea to put together a service offering that will enable all of that to happen, uh, you know, with minimal uh, degree of barriers, if you will. So that's, that's kind of our big, broad mission. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a crazy, amazing idea. And I got to tell you, after I, so my husband through hiked the Superior Hiking Trail here in Minnesota. Beautiful. In September, yeah. So have you come to that one? I haven't, but I spent many years in Midwest. Before I came to California, I lived in Cleveland, Ohio, in Detroit. And I wasn't, uh, I wasn't uh, you know, the, the backpacker yet, or I would have been all over this. Uh, but I still love nature, and I still would, you know, drive up to Lake Superior or Upper Peninsula, uh, you, know, you know, whenever I could, at least for a weekend or whatnot. Uh, so I'm very well familiar with, of course, now I'm very well familiar with the trail system and actually spending some time on the Superior Trail is one of the things I'm sure, sure I'm going to do one of those days. Yeah, it's gorgeous. We're up there all the time. But yeah, after he hiked it, he was like, he thought that whole time on his through hike, he was like, you know, there needs to be something. He wanted to, he wanted to create something like this. So when we found out about this, we're like, wow, this is created. And it's like, this is so cool. So we are just getting started. And so that you get a sense for the team, right, which makes this so, so interesting is that I think we got very lucky that between, you know, a few of us, uh, you have me, who is both Syrian entrepreneur and, and founding CEO. And, uh, you know, by now, um, I also have substantial capital sufficient so that I can fund at least through the early stages, uh, you know, the creation of a company like that. We didn't have to go out and look for, for outside, outside funding. So I was, I was looking forward to become the, you know, the investor in, in this venture. And then uh, another friend of mine, uh, Max, he, he's a world-class CTO. Um, and so everything related to technology engineering and software development, you know, we could do that in-house. And the third person, Anastasia, she is a, she's a great product manager and, uh, and business analyst. And so she could bring all that experience in building products. And then one thing that, you know, we all know is how to build world-class engineering teams and how to build world-class software, software products. Uh, and so it turns out, it just turned out that we had a lot of skill set that we needed to, you know, to get started kind of among, amongst all of us. And I think it lowered the barrier and a lot of us allowed us to get started, you know, pretty quickly. What we are trying to do and bring to market soon, right? Like this spring, and we're going to be in beta 
if you will, business 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 beta uh, testing, if you will, throughout the summer. And if that that idea scaled, then hopefully we could take it take it nationwide. Is that put together this concept that we call all inclusive backpacking vacation. And the all-inclusive backpacking vacation is meant to allow anybody, whether it's a experienced hiker or somebody that maybe hiked when he was younger, you know, through Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or something like that, or really have never done this, but find idea fascinating. Uh, or it could be as short as, you know, overnight or three days. It could be, you know, a week long. And we want to put together kind of everything that somebody needs to pull it off. And it starts with finding a great itinerary. And somebody could say, well, you know, my legs are not what it used to be. I think I could do five, six mile a day, but that's about it. Give me something, maybe 20 mile loop that I can do in three days. Um, And I want to see some lakes and I want to see some waterfalls, you know, not too difficult. Uh, But it's okay with some elevation change. So you'll find a 20-mile itinerary, right, that is kind of matching your criteria. And with that, you'll find very well laid out and curated hike plan that tells you, you know, first day you will get to this point, you'll leave your car, you'll start at that trailhead, you're going to move up three miles, you're going to cross the river, you know, fill in your water bottles, you know, by mile six, this is your first night's campsite. You know, stay over here. These are this is nice campsite selection. Um, you know, next next morning, here is where you're gonna go. Here is a good good spot to have lunch. Here is your you know second night camp, camp, campground, and it's really very detailed step by step kind of the uh, you know you're gonna be hiking, so it's do it yourself. You know, you, know you, you don't have a guy to take you there, but it's close to it as it gets. So you get a very detailed hike plan, if you will. Absolutely, and I think it's really good for people who want to have that solitude of being able to go out and hike on their own and don't want to go with a group. They want to do all the research on their own. I mean, your platform is perfect for that. Yeah. Our job is to give them all the tools to act as kind of coaches and these virtual guides. Uh, But the the experience and adventure will definitely be theirs. We are there to launch them, if you will, into that that experience. So it starts with picking up a really good hike plan and then kind of deciding how many people are going to go with you because you're probably going to go with the group. You want to go solo, that's fine, fine too. But a lot of people will want that to be a social experience. So once you know these things, then the next thing is to have a really great set of maps. That is going to give you a lot of detailed information uh, and having a good map that is custom tailored with, again, step-by-step instructions and kind of turn-by-turn topological details. Uh, We have a technology that is going to generate that, essentially, um, a guidebook for you based on the itinerary that that you've picked up. The, The next thing is gear. And we are going to rent the complete gear list soup to nuts that somebody can take for you know three days four days a week uh there will be some things like clothing that is a personal choice and we'll give people specific uh, lists of uh clothing that they need to bring in so the gear people can borrow gear from you exactly they can ring they rent the entire gear set so Ah. this launch in april this all-inclusive backpacking vacation is going to launch in april and it really packages everything together. So this gear is a very important piece. Part of it is, frankly, it's a substantial monetary investment. It's thousands of dollars to put together, you know, really high-end, modern, lightweight, or what people call ultralight, 
you know, lightest materials, best brands. If you were to buy all these things out of pocket, it would be a very, very significant investment. If you do hiking often, it's worth it for you. But if you want to try, that constitutes financial barrier. And not only that, but it go, you need a lot of skills to really even figure out what gear to select because there is so much of it. So we take all of that away and we put together these complete gear kits. You can customize them a little bit to like your size or weight, right? Maybe mattress is a little bigger or a little smaller. Maybe sleeping bag is a little bigger or smaller. You know, somebody wants a private tent. Somebody wants to share a tent. You can configure those things. But the bottom line is, is that like day or two before you start your journey, your gear shows up, like the whole thing. And with that, we'll be happy to meet you. This is going to launch for uh, Northern California. So we'll hand deliver the gear. We'll go over basics. We are going to set it up on your lawn. Your, if you know, if you want your tent, make sure that you know exactly what's, uh, you know, what's what's happening. Answer all your questions, and um, and now you're ready to go. You know, basically on the trail with all the gear. Okay, so you're saying that's in California. So if someone out of state wanted that, is that possible? This year, we're also on California mountains. We're going to focus on Sierra Nevada. We're going to focus on Yosemite, Kings Canyon National Park, Taha, uh, northern mountains called Trinity Alps, um, and some of the trails around Bay Area, which is why I call it the business pilot. Now, you don't have to live in California if you want to go hike in California. And I think this is especially convenient for people who are coming from afar, who have to fly, who are coming from different countries. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about that, that, that all will be, will be provided. But if this is successful, then next year we're going to start covering all the other national parks. So this is, this is why for us, it's like a business pilot around, around, you know, California mountains first. So I hope it goes well. And if it does, we'll figure out how to take it at least nationally. And after that, hopefully internationally. But I want to also mention the four spins. So, so I talked about the itinerary, I talked about map, I talked about gear. That's actually a big part of the whole experience. And, uh, you know, an interesting challenge logistically. Um, we noticed that a meal plan for one person for a week on a trail contains close to 100 individual ingredients. Um, you probably don't even realize how much goes into having breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, snacks, electrolytes, right? Everything. Absolutely. Getting all of your calorie counts in for a hike. Yes. And you want to eat high calorie food. You want to eat food that has a high sort of calorie density because you want it to be light. You want it to be nutritious. You want it, you know, not too expensive. Putting those things together is actually quite a bit of work as well and quite a bit of mystery for people who haven't done this before. So we have some number of meal plans, which can be configured to different, um, you know, taste preferences or different dietary, you know, dietary restrictions. So food comes with you uh, as well, as well as recipes for how to cook it on a trail, as well as the uh, all the cooking equipment and uh, probably the fifth part of it is really things related to safety. So we will give you uh, what's called satellite messenger. It's a piece of equipment that you take with you that allows you to stay in touch no matter what. Cell phones don't work in most of the wilderness areas, but satellite equipment does. And so you're not going to be able to make phone calls with it, but you could do two things. If you get in a real state of emergency, you can press the red button 
SOS, and the call will go to rescue organizations, and they will they'll try to come and help. But the second thing you could do is that if you just have a question, you can send a message to us, and we will be monitoring you. We know your hike plan, right? It's been built with our platform, so we know exactly where you're going. Getting your signals, we know exactly where you are. We, we know if you're moving according to the plan or you don't. And if you have any question, you could send us a text and we will provide, you know, all the instructions and all this help that we can, you know, right there. So, you know, that somebody is watching you and somebody is there to support you along the way if, if you need some support. Well, yeah, I think that's huge because, I mean, those GPS systems are such a peace of mind for people when they're yes. out there. Yes. And the fact that someone has your plan and can text experienced people, that's huge. That's right. It does create both peace of mind that you won't be lost. And if something happens, you know, you will be found. But then on top of that, just being able to ask for advice. Even when I go hike by myself, I always bring the satellite messenger with me. But that in and of itself is not enough. I need somebody to support me, meaning that somebody who knows what to do in case something goes wrong needs to know my hike plan. You know, it's not easy to find somebody who can provide that kind of support. So we, we're clearly going to embed that level of support in, in any service for anybody who, who goes out, you know, under our watch. Yeah, I think that's huge. And so going back to your team, you said that this was just a group, a team of three of you working on this. No, that's just uh, that's just the founding team. By now, I think we have about 30 people working on it. It's it's a pretty big operation now. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, because I mean, I was looking at your social media page and it looked like there was like big groups of you going out on hikes. So, yeah, you 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 in our social media, you'll find a lot of trip reports and some of it is three of us or four of us and then uh, and then our friends, right, go with us. So my daughter sometimes joins us on the trips on the husband uh, comes, you know, most of the time. So it, it's a social experience. Um, so you're, you have your daughter who likes hiking now, not like when she was young. <laughs> <laughs> I have three daughter. I have three kids, two daughters and a son. And, um, I might have, I might have damaged them a little bit. They've come, they've come to hiking trips with me. And some of them, I think were, were a bit too intense. So they're like sitting back and saying, mom, get some perspective. Um, but one of them in particular, my, my, my middle daughter, she seems to take in, you know, more after me. We've, we've gone out and hiked with all of my kids. But my middle daughter, she went to Patagonia backpacking with me. And she went on my, one of the big High Sierra trips with me last year. Oh, cool. Cool. So it just took some time. <laughs> yes. yes. And I also need to learn to mellow down a little bit <laughs> when we're going with kids to have fun. Yes. Well, like you said at the beginning, when you are passionate about something, you dive in and you dive in hard. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. So that's uh, that's the new uh, new project, if you will. I'm very excited about it. I can't wait for our all-inclusive backpacking vacations to come out and hit the market. Um, we are starting to do some field tests and. I'm very excited. We are partnering up with one of the uh, one of the college mountaineering club, and they're going to go on their spring break. Fifteen of them are going to go to uh, High Sierra, uh, Yosemite, and, and around for some combination of skiing and back backpacking. 
So we're going to outfit them. We're going to provide them food. We're going to provide them gear. Uh, we are going to get hopefully a lot of feedback when they come back, how that all works out for them. They're going to be the first testers of our, of our service offering. And then comes, comes April, we'll be, we'll be out live. Awesome. So launch is in April. Launch is in April, keeping fingers crossed. Yes. And so all the hikes that you guys have listed on your website right now, are those all trails that your group of 30 people have been on collectively? So, so no, if I, uh, so, so if you go to our website today and it had been there for, for, for a while, it is geared to, I would say more of a, uh, more of a hobbies backpackers rather than people who are just entering in. And that's also very, uh, very important audience for us. As we continue to evolve our service offering, we have lots of ideas, but we basically want to have service offerings for people who are very avid backpackers and they really know what they're doing. They're kind of like power users and you need to give them tools, but they know what to do with the tools. And when we started, this is kind of where we started. And, you know, right on track today, I had support for maybe 20 or 30 very prominent uh, trails, anything starting from as well known as Pacific Crest Trail, Appalachian Trail, John Muir Trail, uh, Superior uh, is is there, um, Ice Age Trail in Wisconsin is there, right? So we try to go for really the most popular trails, at least in the United States. There are some international, but it's mostly United States based. And we have very active uh, user base. We have several thousands people who've registered over the last year. And a lot of them write to us and they ask to add this trail or that trail. So we're adding trail. We have been adding trails, basically, that users have requested. And it is a platform that allows somebody to really plan out their hike. So it's less about, here's the itinerary, you know, go make it happen. It's more like if you're a serious backpacker, like maybe your husband, when he was planning his superior trip, we'll give them the tools to basically look at the trail and then map out day by day what he wants to do. Yeah, and he was going to go in and put in his plan of what he did because we noticed you could do that. And and please do that because not only it's a great planning tool, it's a great tool after the hike, but what makes it really special is that after that you can publish it to the hike marketplace. People have published day-by-day IT hikes. There is probably a dozen of different January itineraries, and I do know that people use it, and that's, that's already valuable. And on top of that, and you could do that today, and you could do it around the Arizona Trail and Colorado Trail. So apart from few very specific examples like uh, uh, CDT, Continental Divide, it's not there for very specific reason. It's actually a very difficult trail to put in. It has a lot of ambiguity, 3,600 miles, and very, very few people do that. So that's you know, lower on our priority list. But like really popular trails, they're, they're all pretty much in there. And, uh, you know, anybody who is planning a, a hike and want a really great free, by the way, completely 100% free planner, uh, you know, please, by all means, go check it out and start using it. Uh, and you can also find a fair amount of itineraries that other people have created that might inspire you. You can also copy somebody else's itinerary and then go start making changes and make it your own. The second thing that you could do is go and buy this food, right, backpacking food. We've created some number of pre-packaged meals. Now, disclaimer, when we did it this summer, we basically took uh, meals that are available on the market today. Anything from something as well known as Mountain House, 
and a number of up-and-coming small cottage brands, which we think are doing a really good job creating kind of a gourmet, you know, high-quality gourmet freeze-dried food. And then you have bars and snacks and teas and coffees and, you know, everything that goes, goes along with it. The price tag for all of that came to close to about $25 to $35 per day. And I think it's a very fair price. But when we launched that service, one of the feedbacks that we've heard with people is that it seemed like too much for a lot of folks. People were looking for cheaper meals. And they were also looking for a little more hands-on experience, something that they can actually cook on a trail from the basic ingredients. And so we said, all right, this is probably the right way to go. And we work really, really hard to really bring in these trail menus by Right on Track and trail kits that we are producing on our own. In in April, we are going to start launching uh, essentially part of the meal catalog that are uh, done by Right on Track and are designed to cook on the trail. You cook breakfast, you cook dinners, we give you step-by-step instructions. It's kind of a concept of one-pot meal, meaning that the entire process is that you put a pot, you put water, you put it on the on the stove, and then you add different ingredients. And yeah. like within 20 minutes or less, you actually have something that's been cooked from scratch. Uh, and we were able to bring prices to like less than $20 per day for like everything included. So I'm very excited about that. And again, that's launching in April. And I think it's going to take uh, take that concept uh, and appeal to a lot of different folks and kind of take it to the to the next level. So very- Absolutely. And like when you say bring it to the next level, like that's when people will be learning even more about backcountry cooking rather than just ripping open a mountain house. <laughs> yeah, still do that. We will still offer kind of yes. a, a freeze-dry mountain house style menus. And you could still do that if you don't want to cook. But if you do, now you're going to have a much more, whole, I think, wholesome, uh, you know, trail meal experience. So these are some of the ideas that we are working on and very excited about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's so many great things that you guys are doing. I, I think it's going to go really viral. I mean, I think this is a really cool concept. <laughs> oh, that would be great. That would be great. Keeping, keeping, keeping fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I know I'm talking about something that doesn't exist yet, which sucks, you know, so maybe I can come back and I don't know, May or June when we have service offering is out. We had some number of people who are using it. We know that it's going well and we could go and start spreading the word. But anything you could do to help, you know, let folks know that this is an option that frankly doesn't exist today. Right. Uh, going back to the barrier for try to execute something like that is just too damn high. If you don't have a gear full closet, you're not going to drop $1,500 to go buy yourself equipment to go on a three-day backpacking vacation. We're working very hard to keep pricing reasonable, something that, you know, everybody can afford. We're still trying to figure this out, but we, we hope that, you know, both food and gear will be, you know, around maybe $100 per person per day. So it's like three-day you know, all inclusive will be like 300 bucks or less. We think that at, at, at those price price ranges, this is something that is the cheapest vacation that anybody can have, you know, doing just about anything. Yeah, absolutely. For people that want a vacation like this. Cruises <laughs> are still fine, of course. And, uh, uh, you know, our, our, our other forms is, is fine as well. But uh, this is something that will become more of a choice that is not much of a choice today. 
So hopefully that's something that both millennials and boomers and everything in between are going to love. Absolutely. So what would you say to people who, like, for someone who was in your situation who wasn't into backpacking at all, like, what advice do you have for people who who are in that situation, who, like, are kind of, like, stuck in the in the grind of things? Yeah, so, so it comes with the idea, right? And I would say, this is the idea of, like, let's go backpacking, comparing to you, right? Like, like, let that thought linger for a moment. And if it brings you back to your childhood or it brings you back somewhere else and say, yeah, that's a really cool idea. Actually, I would really like to try. You know, that's, that's like step number one. You know, once you're there, it's about, well, how, how do you get there? Uh, you know, hopefully right on track will, 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 you know, enable it. But even forget right on track, right? You don't really need right on track to go, go figure that out. Uh, Everybody lives somewhere not too far from the forest or national park or or city, you know, city park might be, you know, might not have, uh, you know, backpacking opportunities because you, you need a camping site. But everybody has something that is, uh, you know, outdoorsy that promotes this kinds of an overnight overnight experience. And I would say, hey, try it. Actually, REI offers rental equipment, and you could probably have, you know, a low entry point by just renting some of a few basic pieces of gear, and the rest just take what you have. You know, it's not recommended hiking in jeans, uh, you know, or anything cotton. But you know what? If you just wanted to go overnight, you know, short distance to see how camping under the stars feels, you you can car camp. You know, as a first step, you can go in the damn jeans too. You know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna kill you. You know, put on the sneakers. Just don't take a really, you know, really technical terrain, and uh, you know, venture out and pick, 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 pick a great weekend, and you know, cook dinner by the campfire, and you know, fall asleep under the stars, and 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 wake up to the to the sunrise. And if that all feels magical, and if you come back, you know, Sunday night refreshed. I, Without exception, and I've tried it many times because I've become somewhat of an evangelist, if you will, of this lifestyle and introduced a lot of people to to backpacking over the last three years. Without exception, if you step on a trail Saturday morning and you had a super stressful week and your head is full of concerns, you have you have unfinished deadlines, you have looming product lines, your boss is unreasonable, you know, kids are driving you crazy, uh, you know, conflict with mother-in-law, father-in-law, or, or sister or brother, who knows, right? There's stress in your life. And that is something what you think about, you know, all day Friday, you're going to step on a trail Saturday morning, and you're going to step out of that train Sunday night, and not a single damn thought about any of those things are going to enter your consciousness, you know, for these 36 hours. <laughs> exactly because you're so you're so separated from it at that point and that's the most beautiful thing about it and that's like where that's where we find balance in life getting on the trail it's huge it's so huge you don't need to worry about any of that for the whole weekend and and funny thing is this is not that you don't have to worry about because you could argue that you don't have to worry about the thursday night after work either but you do uh, that's what unfortunately we do. We ruminate, right? We we worry, and that builds up stress. Actually, in a trail, you can't help it. It just your mind blocks that stuff. It just try to think about it. It's just not gonna work. <laughs> 
And so what I try to do in my, you know, normal life is uh, as much as I can, depends on the season, sometimes, uh, you know, once a month, sometimes three times a month, as many as this weekends that I can steal, you know, Friday night, I would come home exhausted and I would grab my gear. Thanks goodness. By now it's second nature. It doesn't take long to pack. I jump in the car and I live in California. I'm very lucky. I'm within three mile, three hour drive from several fantastic mountains. And, you know, I'll sleep somewhere on the way. Um, I can even sleep in the car these days. I have a car that lets me do that. And then I hit the trail either Friday night or Friday morning or Saturday morning. And I come back Sunday night or sometimes occasionally I'll come back Monday morning. And, uh, I'm, I'm just fresh. I'm ready to face another, you know, another week. I've, I've had my fix. <laughs> yes. And, and, I, and before you discovered that, did you, what were your feelings on the weekends before you discovered this lifestyle? I worked. I worked. I worked on the time. I was very... Even on the weekends? Yes. Um, I, I was notorious. And as I was building my company, building my business, a previous company, um... For five years straight, I slept three and a half hours a day. Five years straight. Because you know what? The work does not go away. You're never going to be in a situation where you have free time that does not fill with work of some kind. So it's real easy to just fill it up to the brain and then more and then more and then more. You know, I still put in often 16, 18 hour days. I could put in a working weekend if I need to. But I do have a discipline of not doing that as much and sleeping my six to seven hours a day uh, on most nights and taking taking the me time to go put all of that behind. And I think I'm, frankly, a much more sane human being and a, and a better manager um, and just um, just better person all around. It, it's huge when you can find that that thing that helps you balance all of that out for everybody is different and somebody for somebody it might be knitting right and for somebody it might be uh you know soccer moms who build their life and relaxation around activities that they do with their kids um and that's all fantastic but i do think that there is this treasure you know there is a reason why they're called national parks they're national they belong to all of us right it's a it's a it's a it's a treasure that is there for us to, you know, take in, enjoy, uh, learn from, and of course preserve, right, and pass on to the to the next generation. So we have that that incredible resource that too few people do, don't use enough. There's actually there's two competing trends, and I'm still trying to reconcile them in my head. There's one set of trends that speak about growing interest in the outdoors. More and more people are on hitting the trails. More and more people are running the trails. More and more people visiting national parks. More and more people are are you know backpacking. And there is solid statistics that that's been on the rise uh, continuously uh, throughout many years. But at the same time, a report came out two weeks ago, which is very disturbing, which basically looked at amount of time that U.S. population spends outdoors. And I have discovered that more than 50% of people living in the U.S. do not go and spend any time outside at all, like zero. And that number is a lot worse if you compare it with uh, early 2000s. So for the last 15 years, 
the trend is very clear that Americans spend less time outdoors. And I think that that was a waking call. And I think a lot of organizations and you know, government schools are trying to wrap their heads around this and trying to figure out you know, why that is and what to do about it. Part of it is that kids, you know, kids used to grow up playing outside, right? That that's what kids did. And now kids do not grow up playing outside. They are sitting on their smartphones and playing video games. So while some of us are making choices related to healthy lifestyles and getting onto better fitness and, you know, better, better time outdoors, running, hiking, you know, traveling and seeing national parks, at the large scale, at the national scale, we are actually less active and spend less time outdoors than we even used to. So I got to ask, because this is all in the U.S., in Lithuania, what's what's <laughs> the stats of people going outdoors there? And when did you come over to the U.S.? No, I really don't know, right? I didn't really study, you know, what that all means. To me. <laughs> I mean, childhood is childhood, a special place, it's romantic, and we have very selective memories, right? So did you come over here in your early childhood? Uh, no, no, I was 20. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, it was a long time ago by now, it almost 30 years ago. But even though, it, I mean, like, I, go, I go back to my childhood experience in Lithuania, and it's not like forests were overcrowded, right? <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's necessarily something that, you know, even back then was, you know, done on the you know, on a, on a really large scale. If anything, I would, I would imagine it's probably globally more, more popular today as well, which is why I'm saying it's kind of a strange dichotomy, right? On one side, all the electronics in our lives, all the, I don't know, infrastructure in our lives, which is so car dependent, you know, putting internet over physical world experience, right? Virtual is kind of winning. But the awareness of how important and how healing time outdoors in the real world versus virtual world is, is growing as well. So I think what it all boils down to is choices. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, people who are aware of opportunities and have a drive to try to make the best out of them, you know, they're, they're the ones who are going to go and take advantage of all of that. Um, so building that awareness and then building tools that remove the barrier from somebody going and experiencing that, I think is is the mission, at, at least my mission. <laughs> yeah. Well, and do you find that in Silicon Valley, is there lots of progressive like outdoor outdoor apps being created right now, being in this field, or is that not a huge... Oh, yeah, and I don't think it's just in the Silicon Valley. Uh Clearly, there's a lot of people who are enjoying the outdoors. And there are also very successful apps like uh, All Trails, I think is a, everybody's favorite. And if I could do for multi-day backpacking what All Trails did for like day hikes, you know, I'll be, I'll be very, very happy with our, you know, with our success. Uh, so All Trails is an awesome, awesome tool that allows people to find hikes. It's It has some long distance trail, but it's not perfect for that but i think it's a great tool for like day hiking something like uh, gaia uh it's a great navigational tool by uh, uh national geographics actually and so one of the things that you could do today you could create your plan your hike plan with right on track and then you can export it and load into gaia and now you're going to have a real-time navigation you know on the trail someday i want to build real-time nav 
uh, in our platform. But, uh, you know, until that time, we have to pace ourselves. Uh, definitely something like Gaia is, is a great way to find your way in the wilderness. There is um, Gut Hook, which is kind of a Bible for real true hikers. If you're going to go hike Pacific Crest Trail um, or Appalachian Trail or something like that, then, then uh, Gut Hook gives you a lot of information that you take with you on the trail. It's less about planning, but it's more about essentially like reacting and finding resources, water resupplies, campsite and the rest of it, you know, wherever you are. And, and that's big and important too. And then Cal, Cal I think is the, is the fifth one. It's an up and coming company uh, that allows people essentially create your track, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that's been gaining some popularity as well. I have inspirations for Ride on Track that will be an all-encompassing platform where you could do things that you can do with uh, with uh, Godhook and things that you can do with Kaltopa and things that you can do with Gaia. But who knows, right? It's it's a long journey. For the time being, we we're definitely integrating with a lot of these tools. And we think that people should continue using them. And some of them are really very awesome and they're inspiration for us. Yeah. And like you said, it, it's a journey. And that's that's why we go on the trail, right? Because life is a journey. <laughs> life is a journey. You know, trail is a journey. Entrepreneurship is very much a journey when you're when you're starting, you know, starting a company. It's uh, it's going to be a long and exciting and very unpredictable you know, journey with ups and downs and your lows are super low and your highs are super high and it's uh, addictive in its own right. Well, yeah, I can only imagine with all of your experience you've had how how much you've gained and how much you've been able to reflect on entrepreneurship. You have so much experience. Yeah, and frankly, a lot of scars that that, that you <laughs> you are not along the way. Um, but it's all it's all good. It it makes life meaningful, I guess. Yeah, awesome. Wow. So, do you have a favorite hike in California that you go on often? Oh wow, um, I have a lot of favorite hikes um, in California. Well, all of John Muir is fantastic, and you don't have to walk all of it. There are there are parts of its segments that you could you could go for you know two to three days. And uh, and there are there are a few favorite segments of mine um, in California. I like very much that no mountains that are not very well known. Uh, they are outside of Sierra Nevada. They are in the north towards Oregon. They're not very far from Oregon border. It's called Trinity Alps, and I find them absolutely gorgeous. And because we have this fantastic Sierra Nevada that gets all the attention. You know, other mountain ranges don't, but I think uh, Trinity Alps are absolutely world-class. They have uh, incredible rivers, canyons, lakes, just great views, amazing wildlife, and uh, you don't have to compete with thousands of others for permits. So that's my, like, go-to default choice when I just want quickly spare of a moment, you know, drive somewhere and just hike over the weekend, and I don't want to worry about permits. Permits is kind of a big deal, and more and more national parks are instituting them. And in many ways, it limits your choices because it really does regulate, you know, accessibility to a lot of trails and campsites. So there are still pockets of beautiful wilderness without permits, often for logistics reasons that, that, that makes it a lot more practical. 
Yeah, yeah, the permit system does make it hard. But yeah, at the same time, we're preserving a park, so. It's definitely necessary. Um, if you ask me what's my favorite hike, not just in California, but anywhere, I'll tell you that I was completely smitten and I'm still uh, under the spell of a backpacking trip that I had this Christmas in Peru. So Peru is a growing tourist destination and uh, people know about Machu Picchu and people know about Inca Trail. And those are fantastic tourist designations. And if somebody wanted to take a good example of tourism crossed with hiking, I would say Machu Picchu is probably prime example. But it's also very crowded. And uh, they have other mountains that are not nearly as well known as they should be. And this Christmas season, I had a chance to hike uh, uh, Asangate Trail. It's a 45-mile long trail, which is probably my absolutely number one most favorite. It actually, like, beauty per mile. I think it beats John Muir Trail, it beats Colorado Trail, it beats PCT, it beats any other trail that, I, that I've been on. And uh, it's just incredible. It's a high altitude trail. You are constantly at the, about five kilometers. That's about 17,000 feet. We don't have mountains that high in, in the U.S. It's higher than Mount Whitney. And you are covering about six or seven high passes uh, during the course of this 35-mile mile track. And you just have these incredible colors on the mountains. Uh, you know, maybe I could send you a couple of pictures and maybe you could share it with, with, with your group as a part of this podcast because it blows your mind. Uh-huh. It's called, called Rainbow Mountain that basically has all the colors of the rainbow all coming coming through. It's one of the, I don't know, marvels of the world. And then you have these painted mountains where you literally see, it doesn't look like a photo, it looks like an acrylic painting. And you just, I still can't believe that I, you know, what did I see there? And then you have these lakes, every different color. They have lake that's called Chocolate Lake because it's a chocolate color. And then you have this giant Gate Mountain with its glaciers. It's, uh, it's almost as tall as Denali. It's six and a half kilometers, which is 21,000 feet high. And you're circumnavigating it. And so that's like in front of your face all the time. And then you have these amazing waterfalls. And then you have llamas and alpacas that are just walking everywhere around you. And just the entire experience is bunkers. People need to know about this trail because it's just amazing and it is not well known at all. And it I'll- sounds like magical. And well, and when you were saying a chocolate-covered river, I'm assuming that's not because it was dirty. No, 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 no. It's just because of the composition of metals and yeah. bacteria yeah. And, and other things. It really is chocolate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I mean, people do run into chocolate covered due to the dirt, but <laughs> no, no, definitely not it. Uh, that is definitely not it. So yeah, just mm-hmm. just very very magical land of you know ancient Incas. Uh, it's uh, it's quite a sight. I would encourage people to do the research and maybe put that on their bucket list if they if they like backpacking adventures. Yeah, you've convinced me. <laughs> Oh, well, is there anything else that you want to touch on? I mean, we've kind of talked about all kinds of things. about all kinds of things. Uh, So, you know, this was fun. Thank you for having me on the show. If you, you know, ever have more questions or anybody of your audience has more questions, then, you know, 
be happy to take them. Maybe I could share a little bit how to get in touch with us and how to follow us. Absolutely. Please share. So right on track, it spells uh, T-R-E-K, right? Track, as you would expect, rightontrack.com. Uh, you know, visit our website. Everything is, you know, 100% free. And by the way, we will try as much as possible to have all the basic platform tools that allow people plan their hikes, uh, you know, free and clear for as long as we can, hopefully forever. You know, our monetization strategies, uh, a lot of these other tools are subscription-based. You know, ours is free. They're ads-free. We provide these value-added services such as food and gear. Um, and that's really what, what we want to make money on, if you will, and then be able to essentially subsidize all these tools for, you know, trail creation, map creation, and, and so forth. So rideontrack.com, uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Uh, we try to put together trip reports and spread, you know, important community news. We also love featuring, you know, beautiful photography and trips of, of, of other people other members and non-members, common theme of admiring, enjoying the outdoors is something that we are passionate about and we want to connect and be a part of this growing circle of, you know, others who are just as passionate about that as well. Yeah. Anybody ever wants to get a hold of me, it's Victoria at rideontrack.com. Uh, and every, if anybody has any backpacking question about anything at any point in time, you know, on any topic, just come to rideontrack.com. There is right there, like a little chat window, you know, put in your question. We will be in touch. Anything we could do to promote multi-day backpacking, we are there for it. Awesome. You guys are doing awesome things. Thank you so much for taking time to share about Ride on Trek with us. I'm excited to see where it goes. Thank you so much. This episode really spoke to me because when Victoria talks about the balance of work and life or the lack of balance of work and life that she had for so long, it's just so important. And especially that's something we pride ourselves in at Hiking Through Life, that getting outside really helps us keep that daily grind kind of at a balance and just is able to refresh us when we get outside. So... I think a lot of people are able to relate to that and especially hear Victoria's story and have it touch home for them. I was really interested in the product she's creating right now, the Right on Trek. It's very similar to some ideas that I had, like Sarah had mentioned in the episode, um, how I went on my through hike and basically had this idea of pretty much exactly what Right on Trek is which is this tool to help people plan their hikes from the meal planning, the gear, the route planning, all of that. So I was super excited to really learn more and kind of dig deeper into the website. And then also just to hear what Victoria said is upcoming for the site and their April launch. It's very encouraging to hear that there's going to be just this this platform where people from anywhere can go onto this platform and just input some things about their hike or search other people's itineraries. And that's one thing that I am going to do as well is input my superior hiking trail through hike 
all of that information in there so that if somebody did want to use that as a reference and then make changes that would fit their pace or fit their timeline, then it would be there. Yeah, I think this tool is going to be a really fantastic resource for all types of hikers, through hikers, day hikers, to just connect with one another and find out information they wouldn't otherwise be able to have. Yeah, I think that's one thing that is probably going to come of this too, is this kind of community on these different trails that are listed on there too, is I think there's going to be somewhat of a community of just trail um, knowledge and then also just transfer of knowledge between like the various gear and meal planning stuff that that already goes on in, in different spaces like a Facebook group or something like that, but on a planning platform instead. <laughs> Yeah, and speaking of planning, I like how Victoria referred to it as um, it's a way that you can plan your honeymoon hike if that's something that people have in mind. So great resource, guys. Yeah, and I was actually really surprised to hear that um, there was a lot of feedback that people wanted these um, trail recipes um, and instead of these prepackaged meals that, you, that take little effort, I guess. Because at least on my through hike... I wanted something that was extremely easy to make, no dishes afterwards, because, I mean, I was hiking 15 miles a day, sometimes almost 30 miles a couple of days, and the last thing I wanted to do was sit there and cook a meal. I mean, so I packaged a lot of um, freeze-dried meals, and so all I had to do really was boil the water, throw it in the pouch wait a couple, you know, minutes for it to rehydrate, eat, and then lick my spork off and done. So, I mean, I guess for people that are going on shorter hikes, though, it is different. I mean, when Sarah and I go, we do more of that kind of gourmet backcountry cooking and do less of the freeze-dried or dehydrated meals. And less of the 20 miles a day. Yeah, so it is a, a little less intense. So, yeah, it's just it, it was interesting to hear some of that perspective because in in my mind, I guess I I think of it more from the point of view of doing more miles and a through hiker, yeah, more in that through hike mindset, yeah. So it's very interesting to learn more about right on track, and it's going to be exciting to see where it goes too. We'll, we'll definitely be following along and. Um, see where Victoria takes this. And using it for our own resources. Yeah, definitely. So check it out, rideontrack.com, and plan your next hike. Yeah, and go visit them on Instagram as well. And we'll have links to everything down in the description of this episode. Thanks for listening. We love sharing these stories with you through the Hiking Through Life podcast, and we're so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to support the Hiking Through Life podcast further, we have these amazing new t-shirts and water bottles. The t-shirts come in four colors, and the water bottles are perfect for trails, adventuring, or daily use. Consider checking them out at hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. Use the code podcast and receive 10% off your first order. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, 
love, and hike through life.